host of The Cell. I invite you to listen to our program every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. I would also like to thank you for listening to Community Radio on WGRN LP 94.1 FM, Columbus. I'd like to welcome our listeners back. You will be listening to part two of last week's program, COVID-19. At the end of this show, I have invited Annie Womack, Executive Director of Ohio Sickle Cell Health Association, to come and talk with us about COVID-19 and sickle cell. I just want to make sure that we didn't miss anything, and if we did, that she has an opportunity to cover it. You can never be safe enough during this time period. We hope that you enjoy. Have either of you heard about how long or any other medications that they might be trying to use? No, I haven't. The only, only ones I've heard about is the ones that is killing people. Uh, I forget which. Uh, it was it was an African country. They told them to drink some kind of uh, oh gosh, it must have been some kind of uh, antifreeze or something, and uh, it killed a bunch of them. Yeah, it was. They were they they had a, a thing going around telling them to drink this. And, you know, for a better term, it was like an antifreeze. They told people that that would kill the coronavirus in their body and it was a it was in the thousands it killed about a hundred or two hundred of them and i think it about a thousand of them was really sick and i think it was in an african country that that actually happened there aren't right now any medications that can address the issue although china where it, it seems to have first started i've seen some progress on some of the medication that they're testing but part of the issue is because it is like common cold it, it's hard to address and by the time people are those who are severely impacted by it, because you have different groups. You have some that are on the light end of the COVID, and then you have those that where it really wreaks havoc on their system. Right now, it isn't an effective treatment. There is a couple in Kentucky, I believe, who, after one of President Trump's press conferences, took medication that they thought would help, and it was the wrong medication. The rule of thumb is, is if you are already under medication, you keep that same medication, and any other medication that may have an adverse impact on that medication. You still don't. People are also buying different types of Tylenol, uh, and all Tylenol are not the same. So you can't take a Tylenol sinus if you have diabetes, because that might interact with your diabetes medication. In fact, it's initially because of the barrier of, of COVID-19 and because there's some little information about what actually can, if there's all kinds of things to provide a remedy where there really isn't a remedy. There was a husband and wife that were gurgling Clorox, and that's burning the inside. That, that is not helpful. So there has to be a common sense approach in, in, in addressing the issue, I think some people have been caught up in doing wanting. Yeah, I had heard that they were, people were all of a sudden asking for the medication that is used to treat lupus and also um, mm-hmm. medication used to deal with malaria. So those are the two medications that I kind of heard that people were trying to use, those particular two for malaria. And I mean, I know that everybody's working on a cure or something to help battle it, but I heard that it could take up to two years to possibly do. So, mm-hmm. um, do uh, Trish, do you have anything else that you would like to say before we end the show here today? Yes, yes, I do. The CDC um, also has a link uh, for resources for sickle cell patients that have still uh, COVID-19. But there's also a link to a study. So if a sickle cell patient or if you know somebody that has COVID-19 and is suffering from sickle cell, they're trying to track 
the outcomes of those patients. So if you know anybody, keep that in mind and, and register for that so we can track how sickle cell patients were impacted and in the future what medication work and which ones don't. Do you happen to have those websites? If you type in CDC sickle cell, it'll pop up. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Ernie, do you have anything that you would like to say? It's similar to what Trish was saying. Before you try anything, you know, do your due diligence as far as researching it, and especially if you have someone that has sickle cell that's going through sickle cell symptoms and that kind of stuff that you know about, do them a favor if you're having any kind of uh, virus and symptoms. Stay away from them. I'm sure they won't be offended to do that so that because, you know, they're like so many other uh, groups are high risk when they, you know, contract uh, viruses like this because really rely on our immune system to, like, fight off this virus. And some of the stuff I've read is that it seems to be a fight between your immune system and this virus, and the more or the, the intensity of your contact with that virus seems to be the, the problem of overcoming it, like those first responders. I agree with both of you on that. Before we close out, I would just like to reiterate that we need our community to go out and make sure that you log into the American Red Cross page and to look for locations where you can give blood. The American Red Cross has always made sure that they maintain a sterile atmosphere when drawing your blood. So I'm sure that they've increased that by a hundredfold to make sure that the patient or whoever's giving blood is not going to contact the disease, you know, the COVID-19 while they're there. So please uh, continue to give blood. Once, a minute, once again, go into American Red Cross, see where there's a location, and continue to give blood. The other thing that we had talked about is the medication. Make sure that you are taking your medication as you need to take it. If you are having a crisis, make sure that you're communicating with your primary care physician. A runny nose, fever, your throat hurting, and you dry cough, those are some of the symptoms for COVID-19. So make sure that you start reaching out early uh, with your primary care physician or with some hospital to talk about those so that they can continue to guide and direct you on what you need to do. Stay safe. Stay six to ten feet apart. Make sure you're wearing gloves. Make sure that, you, that you're wearing the mask when you go out. That is to help stop stuff from people coughing going into your mouth. But also, too, when you wear the mask, it has a tendency to make you want to touch your eyes, touch your mouth, you know, to put your hands to your face. So just make sure that you keep your hands away from your face. Wash your hands for 20 minutes, or as Trish said, say the alphabet. If you want information about the COVID-19, make sure that you visit CDC. CDC has plenty of information. You can Google and type in coronavirus or COVID-19, and you're going to get a list full of things. Just about every business, anybody that you do business with, when you log into their webpage, you will see it automatically up there. If you're having financial hardships, Reach out to the companies that you're dealing with. See what it is that programs they have set up to help us to deal with this because some of the stay-at-homes or organizations, even such as restaurants, bars, have been told to close down. You got people out there that have no income coming in. So make sure you contact your, the individuals that service your you know, organizations that handle your bills. They got programs that's going on. Also contact unemployment, see what options that you have there. Seek out every option that you can to help you to get through this. Ernie and Trish, we need-
to take an identification break. The Faith Thomas Foundation would like to thank you for listening to The Cell. We broadcast every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. on WGRN 94.1 FM. I'd like to welcome Annie Womack. How you doing, Annie? I'm fine, dear. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm sorry you couldn't make it to the earlier sessions that we did, but I'm glad that you're here now. In our Just to update you, in our previous sessions, we were talking about COVID-19, and we were giving our listeners tips on what they can do to protect themselves and some of the signs and talking about COVID-19 in general. We touched a little bit about it, uh, sickle cell, and how it impacts sickle cell patients, but I wanted to make sure that we didn't miss anything, so I wanted to bring you online, since you are the Executive uh, Director of Ohio Sickle Cell Association here in the state of Ohio, to ensure that we give our listeners the correct information or you can fill in any gaps that we might have missed. So what is it that Ohio Sickle Cell Health Association is informing sickle cell patients to do during this time with COVID-19? Well, thank you again for allowing me to come back on. I missed you guys, and I'm sorry I wasn't available. Um, We've been extremely busy with definitely COVID-19, but then just the basic operations working from home. So what we are telling patients to do is to follow the orders of their primary care doctor because every every patient is different but generally telling them to comply with the stay-at-home order and then also to uh, make sure they step up their sanitation. Okay. Uh, what are you telling the patients regarding, we know that the hospitals have some roadblock there for not everyone can just walk through the door and get in. What are some of the things that you are telling patients that are having pain crisis, what they should do regarding going directly to the hospital without talking to their primary care physician or going directly to the hospital? What some of the things that you guys recommend for? Well, what we're telling them to do is always can't stay in contact. So if they are starting to experience a pain crisis, somebody needs to call and let their physician know that they're on their way to the hospital so they can be met in a different entrance other than going through general population. So that way they'll already have the team downstairs to meet them and take them to a sterile area versus having them sit maybe in the emergency room, but then just having them come directly up to a day clinic if there's a day clinic or a sterile area where they're having patients with pre-existing conditions like cancer, sickle cell, those that are dealing with blood-borne illnesses to have a separate way of getting to the hospital. Each hospital has a separate protocol. So that's why it's very important to have somebody else that you can call and so they can call, be calling on your behalf and possibly transport you themselves without having to wait on emergency situations to arrive. So is that, are you aware of any sickle cell patients that have had issues getting into the emergency room or into the hospital regarding, you know, to get treatment? No, I mean, I've had patients across the state, you know, I've checked up on them regularly. They were already in the hospital, they were due to be released, but then they just kept them for extra precaution to make sure that they were not exhibiting extra symptoms. So your stays may be a little bit longer versus your routine going in, getting out within a day or two. They may hold you in for additional period. I've had one patient that's been in the hospital for a couple of weeks now just to make sure that they are, you're the, they're being sheltered in place where they are and being treated without being released because they don't want them to be susceptible to COVID-19 from someone else. So I haven't heard anybody having a problem getting in, uh, but again, those stays may be elongated if they don't have a sanitary shelter-in-place location where they can go after their release. Now, what would you recommend to those individuals who have to work for a living in order to pay their bills that have sickle cell? 
that are working in possibly public places? I mean, what is, what would be your recommendation for, for them? Well, I mean, the recommendation is that they get a letter from their employer and their doctor. They get a letter from their doctor. I remember I was on a tel- teletown hall with our regional coordinator in Toledo, and one of the patients called in and said she's also a home health aide, but we informed her to get something from her doctor, um, informing them, her employer, of what, you know, sickle cell disease is and how susceptible she would be. So she is being relocated to just one patient. So she takes care of one person that she's already been around, and it kind of lightens her load. Now, she's in the hospital setting. Now, think about those that are out there in general population. Well, some of their places of business should be closed down anyway unless it's a first responder situation. So they should be receiving unemployment, and they should be receiving benefits from workers' comp, and then they can sign up for disability because they do not need to be working if they're not in a sterile environment, if their employer cannot keep them safe. So when you say workers' comp and disability, so if they're working regular jobs and then all of a sudden they're not able to work, that they are able to, uh, eligible, shall I say, to apply for workers' comp and affordability. Well, they can apply for workers' compensation because they are working and their employer has already um been taking workers' compensation out, and then also the state of Ohio has just relaxed the requirements for employers to pay into workers' compensation. So they're able to have those extra dollars to pay for unemployment or to keep their employees on a little longer. But if they already have an existing condition, they need to separate themselves and stay in place and then just get the unemployment. And then when the unemployment runs out um, or the furlough or however that works, they can, in concert, apply for disability because they will be home because we still don't know what the long-term effects of COVID-19 are going to be on the general population, but let alone someone who already has an existing condition. What about those that on medication, what would you suggest they do in regard to with the stay at home and they have medications that they need to take? I mean, do you think it's harder for them to get their medication filled or what process should they go through to make sure that they're getting their medication? And I just want to ask one one more question with that is, what do you feel in regards to getting medication for 90 days? if they only have it for one month. Well, uh, right now they have, you know, the Ohio Pharmacy Board as well as, again, each uh, provider is different the way that they handle their patient base. But we are recommending that the they talk to their provider because even though their provider is home, they still have the ability to electronically send in a prescription. So they need to send that get that prescription. They need to work. They need to have their provider work with the pharmacy because most of these pharmacies do delivery, but I do know that with controlled substances, they would have to pick those up. So then they would have to have a letter for add one person to their pickup list because I was able to pick up my mother's prescription. My mother has cancer. So they add one person with an ID and that person goes through the line with that ID and that letter, and they're able to pick up that medication for that patient. So that comes into making sure that you have all your emergency contacts updated 
and have that one person acting on your behalf to be able to go pick your medications up with an ID and a signed letter. What do you suggest that if they're not able to get all their medicines and stuff on time and they start to feel uncomfortable and go and possibly get ready for a pain crisis? I mean, I guess what I'm trying to get to is what do you think they should do if they feel that they are showing symptoms of COVID-19? Well, I mean, as a sickle cell patient, you know, there's a routine that you should be doing anyway. Um, you should be using your incentive spirometer. You should be checking your temperature. And each patient knows uh, where they are with their pain crisis. So if they start exhibiting anything other than normal, they should immediately phone call, even if it's a cough or even if it's a tightening of the chest. They should immediately call their provider. Providers have online portals where they can do an online consultation. And if their provider feels that they need to bring themselves to the hospital, they then make their arrangements and the provider then will meet them and assist them in getting checked in to a sterile environment. So the first sign of a symptom, they need to call in to their providers office. We have talked about the symptoms. What is that you know of as far as the symptoms? Just I just want to make sure that we let our listeners hear that part again regarding what are the symptoms of COVID-19 that you should be looking for. Well, I mean, the symptoms of COVID-19, since it is a virus, it's the same as a flu virus other than a spikes in temperature. If you are having a persistent cough, not a sneeze, but a cough, you have any tightening of your chest, you feel like you're feeling dizzy, you're feeling lethargic, those flu-like symptoms that are intensified with uh, COVID-19. But then also, a new symptom is starting to arise with people that are like laying down and being very unresponsive. Of course, if you can't breathe, immediately you need to go because you can't breathe. You not you can't you know you need oxygen. But those people that if you're trying to wake them up and it's hard for them to wake up all the time, there's some issues going on with oxygen deprivation. So those are the major symptoms of COVID-19. Um, that persistent cough, that tightening of the chest, that wheezing, those flu-like symptoms that you were experiencing. Sneezing, no. Coughing is different than sneezing. But those are, and then those temperature elevations, those spikes in your body temperature are definite. People that are feeling nauseous, that are either having vomiting or diarrhea, those are additional symptoms that you should definitely watch out for because those tend to lend into your body fluid levels and your intake. So those are additional symptoms that people need to be aware of with COVID-19. What are some of the things that patients can do to prevent the spread of it? I'm just going to ask some general questions because I want to reiterate to our listeners because I don't feel that you can't get enough of this or you can't hear enough of this, but uh, what are some of the that you can do to prevent the spread of COVID-19? I mean, definitely the limited, you're limiting the additional people. I mean, right now, since most of the states have sheltered in place, so we have people that have been in their homes for well over the 14 days that they said the incubation period was. Now we have people that have been in their home for months, will be going to enter their homes for months. Limit your new contacts, because if you've been sheltered in place with these same people for 30 days, and nobody's experiencing any symptoms, you're fine. Limit the new people. Limit the new people outside of your group, uh, as they're calling them, tribes. Limit people, you know, coming in. You know, you shouldn't be visiting other people's houses. You shouldn't be, you know, allowing your neighbor's kids to come into your home. And so limit your circle of people that are around you helps. But then also, you know, practice safe hand sanitation where, that you should have been doing anyway, washing your hands washing your hands with warm, soapy water between the intake of the hand sanitizers because if you use sanitizers for so long, it, be, it becomes ineffective. So you need to still wash your hands after every meal, after you use the restroom. You know, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. Keep things clean. 
wash your clothes more often, just all those things to avoid the spread. But, again, if you've been sheltered in place for all this time and nobody's showing any symptoms, then don't allow anybody else into your network. When you get your mail, open your mail, throw the, the container in the trash. Get your gloves, open your mail, throw the things in the bag, bag them up, and immediately throw those in the trash receptacle. Don't leave things laying around. Don't transport a lot of things in and out of your home. If you, again, have been sheltered in place with this group, this is the group you need to be around until this is over. You know, we know that sickle cell patients get blood transfusions and that you with American Red Cross. What are some of the good wisdoms that you can give us on that? Well, I just want to say now it's not only the American Red Cross. There's different agencies. Because we're a statewide agency, and this is going out over the airwaves. Everybody doesn't have a Red Cross, even in Ohio. Some people still have community blood banks. Some people have blood uh, systems. I know that the Ohio State University, where our adult comprehensive sickle cell clinic, they don't use Red Cross. So we have other blood servicing units, but with all those blood collection spots, it's very important that people who already dependent on blood have a network of people that they can call on who have been sheltered in place that can go and be tested at the, at the Red Cross or whatever collection centers that are sterile to see if they match because we are in a blood crisis. That's all over. So not only with the Red Cross, but with the other blood services units, they all have a sterile location. They have collection sites where you can go to get tested because they're, aren't, they're not having external blood drives. They're only having internal blood drives. So where you can get tested and then take, have your family members go and get tested so that you can have this list of people that can donate for you. And if they can't donate for you, they can still be cross-typed and matched for people with other disorders and then be on a call list. I'm on a rare blood directory call list because some of my antigens match several sickle cell patients. So I will be willing and ready to go get that blood at a collection site um, when needed. So that's why I'm trying to keep myself uh, with, with the same people that I've been dealing with since COVID-19. There's some people I've heard are concerned about whether or not if getting blood from someone else that has possibly had COVID-19 that they could catch it. What is, what is your thoughts on that myth? Well, what's happening now is that, again, the Red Blood, the Red Cross and other collection sites, are they have ramped up this, the sterileness of blood drives. Everybody who's given blood, you know that they, are t they test your blood. Um, they take your temperature and your blood pressure before you donate. So they want to make sure that you are not sick. Um, they want to make sure that you have not been to any other places that are exposed to COVID-19. They want to see where you are sheltered in place. So they're doing an additional step before they are even collecting that blood. You can rest assured with that because they don't want to, they don't want to take blood from someone who is affected, plus they're testing their own um, collection staff. So they're, they're ramping up the way that they're doing blood collection and, and storing of blood now. Well, Annie, I would like to thank you for coming in and taking the time for coming in to help us with ensuring that we are giving some good information out there to our the individuals impacted with sickle cell in regards to COVID-19. You're, you know, you coming and the information you have provided is invaluable. So I like you having me and it's very information. So I suggest people go to the CDC's website and our own Department of Health website and your local health departments because they have the most up-to-date information because that's what their job is to deal with public crisis and communicable diseases. I appreciate that. Well, Annie, you know I love you. 
and you I be love safe. you too. And you All stay right. safe and uh, follow the recommendations of your husband where you're sheltered in place. <laughs> he just had to get that Cause in we there. Know, cause we know that he's a clean, he's a, he's an A-type personality, so I know your house is clean. <laughs> oh, yeah, you'll be on lockdown from now until, now until the end of the year. See you Christmas. <laughs> yeah, so Andy, once again, thank you. With that being said, peace out. The Faith Thomas Foundation would like to thank you for listening to The Cell. We broadcast on WGRN 94.1 FM every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. You can also stream us live on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. on WGRN 94.1. For more information on the Faith Thomas Foundation, please visit our website, Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is Faith Thomas F. D. N.